After Thanksgiving, we all usually rush right into Christmas with all the parties and shopping and gift exchanging, with all the celebrations and joys, and even the stresses and sorrows that the season brings. But we need to slow down. It's not really Christmas until December 25th. Until then, we're in the season of Advent. Advent is a season of preparation for the coming of Christ, and it starts with reflections on hope. Hope, in its purest form, is usually born out of darkness, out of despair, out of longing. It's a desperate expectation that something better is coming, that the hard times won't last forever, that there will be a rescue. In the time of Jesus' birth, hope is in short supply for God's people. Maybe a lot of them have given up on the idea of redemption. Maybe others believe that God has given up on them. But something is about to change. And it doesn't start with Jesus. It starts with his aunt and uncle. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. These words are from the Gospel by Luke, spoken by Zechariah. Zechariah was husband to Elizabeth, who was the cousin of the Virgin Mary. Zechariah and Elizabeth were an older couple, at least by the standards of their day, long past the age where having children was likely, added to which Elizabeth couldn't have children. Zechariah was a Jewish priest a man in whose heart the promises of Yahweh through the prophets of old would have been engraved like stone. But it had been 400 years since a prophet spoke on behalf of God. Israel had been defeated by one empire, dispersed, and absorbed into another. Zechariah was a priest in a puppet state, a holy man in an imperial colony, a cleric of a dusty religion. During his service, Zechariah is visited by a messenger from Yahweh who tells him that Elizabeth would indeed bear a son and that their son would be a herald of the coming Messiah. He can't believe it, even with an angel standing before him and telling him that it's true. And he'll be struck literally speechless until all of the things he is told come to pass. His son, in case you don't know, is John the Baptist. 
Now we learn a few important things from this story. We learn that God works when we least expect it. We don't know the details of Zechariah and Elizabeth's story. We don't know the circumstances of their life together before their son was born, how long they had tried for a child, or how long it had been since they'd given up. But they weren't expecting this, to be sure. And there was nothing in Israel's history that pointed to this being the moment where the Messiah would come. Zechariah was just doing his duty as anyone would, not expecting anything remarkable to happen, least of all a visit from an angel of heaven with the type of news that he came with. God's schedule is rarely in line with our own. We also learn that God doesn't work how we expect him to. The type of men who Jesus and his cousin John would grow up to be are not in keeping with what Israel was looking for. John was a crazy man who slept in the desert and ate insects, born to a man and woman too old to have kids. Jesus was a carpenter with a penchant for storytelling, born out of wedlock to a young girl and a tradesman. The heroes Nathan and David from Israel's history, these two men were not. But God isn't concerned with appearances. He doesn't consult with experts. He doesn't take advice. He doesn't do things the way we would. That's probably why they work. And finally, we learn that hope is demonstrated in how we serve. Even though it may not seem like there is any reason to do so, Zechariah still serves. He's faithful in his duties and devotes himself to them in patient obedience, even though he is just one more man in a generation waiting for God to do something. That means that in spite of all the apparent evidence to the contrary, Zechariah believes that his service has purpose. Serving the Lord is itself an act of hope. It says to the world that we believe in the power of God to do great things in and through us. And it says to God that we trust that he will. When we serve, we're broadcasting hope in a kingdom that's only made visible through our acts of service. Before Christmas, it's Advent, and Advent begins with hope, and hope starts in darkness. Maybe someone listening to this is sitting in darkness, and if you are, then this next part is for you. If you aren't, pay attention anyway, because maybe someday you'll need to remember this when you find yourself in darkness of your own. But if you are in the darkness of your own life, in sorrow or pain, or longing and waiting, whatever it is, Remember to hold on to hope. I can't pretend to know what you might be going through, and I certainly can't pretend to know what God is doing while any of us wait. But I do know a few things. I know that God has a talent for taking the worst parts of our stories and making them the most pivotal moments on our way to restoration. God's justice restores us, even when those who have wronged us never get what we think they deserve. God gives us more than we could ever want, even though sometimes we don't get what we ask for. God works unexpectedly, both in time and in circumstance. And I know that God is there, and I know that God cares for you. I know this because I know who Christ is, and I know what Christ has done. The Christian story rarely satisfies us with answers, 
to why we sometimes suffer unjustly, why God doesn't move when or how we want him to, why bad things happen to good people. But it gives us plenty to know what the reasons aren't. It's not because God doesn't love us. It's not because God doesn't hear us. And it's not because God doesn't know our pain. And we know this because of what Advent invites us to pause and wait on. The birth of Jesus. God with us. God growing among us. God walking beside us. God hurting alongside us. God looking us in the eye and seeing all the hurt and pain and injustice in the world and saying, let me take that for you. Christmas is coming, but for now we are invited to wait. And if this finds you in the darkness, then I pray that you will find hope in the waiting. Your heart of God will always be the same. From beginning to the end you will remain unchanged. Relentlessly you're pouring out your love for everyone. And I will ever sing your praise Hallelujah to Jehovah who remains unchanged And I will ever sing to you Forever and always For I pledge Yes, I place my hope in you forevermore. In all I do, my hope is you. My heart of oh God is weary from the day. Everything within the soul world will fade away in the wreckage you hold on, you won't let go. For I place my hope in you. Yes, I place. And I will ever sing your praise Hallelujah to Jehovah who remains unchanged And I will 
to sing to forever and always.